appreciate the thoughtful words uh, that were expressed on her behalf. I think it, I think it, it encapsulates um, how a lot of us feel. And it's that way with anybody that we lose within this body. Uh, when somebody um, uh, that we've uh, known and loved for so long uh, uh, finds uh, themselves in a place where God is calling them home quickly or slowly, I think a lot of us grieve. It's perhaps the most difficult part of this job is making friendships with so many different people and then over time knowing that those earthly friendships are coming to an end. And uh, it's bittersweet uh, because we know that uh, the friendship actually doesn't end. It goes on into immortality and that, I think, is an awesome thing. I mean, isn't it cool to think that we're going to be together forever? But the problem is, I think, for any of us, if any of us have spent any amount of time with each other, we all know uh, sometimes we get in our head that everybody's entitled to my own opinion. And uh, so what that creates is a battle of the wills. It can generate conflict at times. Uh, it will lead to a parting of the ways. And did you know that God has provided everything that we need in life for life and everything that we need in life even for that? And we've been looking at that for roughly um, uh, all summer. Uh, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. The only way that people can coexist together in a meaningful, long-term, healthy way where everybody's growing, everybody's uh, becoming who they need to become in the Lord. The only way that that can happen is for us to have God's Spirit enabling us to express our, ourselves in relationship with each other through that fruit. Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'll just put that fruit up on the screen. It's from Galatians chapter 5. And uh, if we can put that scripture up there, Brian, and then go back to that slide, uh, that would be great. Uh, Galatians 5, 22, and 23. Everybody see that up on the screen? Yes? No? Maybe? Okay. All right. What I'd like to do is so that we can remember uh, how it is that we're supposed to get along with each other uh, and keep it in our heads uh, for the road. Uh, let's, uh, let's read it together and embed it in our minds even further. Uh, let's read it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Did you catch that? Against such things there's no need for police. Against such things there's no need for God to give us Ten Commandments. Uh, it's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? But essentially everything that God is trying to produce within us as his people uh, is summarized in the expression of those qualities. Uh, that's why they're so critical for every believer uh, to begin to embrace because one way or another, uh, God's gonna, he's gonna transform us into people that at every turn, whatever the circumstances will require of us, will respond in, in, in one of those nine ways. 
And uh, I think it's pretty awesome because without God um, uh, creating us, without Jesus saving us, without the Holy Spirit energizing us, we could probably never do that. And yet God has given us all of those resources. And I know like any, any parent with their children, when, um, when we don't do what we're asked to do, uh, there's always frustration. But underneath that frustration, there is always love. And God said, there will be frustration. As long as we're this side of the perfection of everything, there's frustration. Matter of fact, frustration is just part and parcel to the way of life that we live. It says it in the very beginning of the Bible that uh, because there is a curse on the world through the disobedience of, of, the, uh, of, of us and, 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 and fallen angels, uh, God said, you're going to have frustration when you work. You're going to have pain in childbirth. And the one who is, is playing a key role in making all this bad stuff happen, well, one day I'll deal with him once and for all. Now, I, I, I'm giving you sort of a storyline here uh, to frame those qualities and why it is that we don't have those qualities in our lives right now. Uh, because we live in a time and a place where that's not fully mature or realized in all of creation and in us. You know, some people have said that before you and I and Adam and Eve were created, um, there, were, there were some things that happened that, that, that weren't good. And it was, um, uh, God had created uh, uh, angels to be messengers and servants of him. And then he created everything that we live in. And some people speculate, and I, I, I tend to wonder if it's not true, that one of the reasons why Lucifer fell, even though he was a leading angel and he was a bright spot in, in God's eyes, one of the reasons why he fell was that God had told him that when I make man in my image and my likeness, Everything that is in the created order is going to be under, under their domain. They're the ones who are going to be called to rule or have dominion or subdue the earth. And, and God said and to, to, to Lucifer, and you are going to be my messenger in helping that process uh, come to fruition. And, and, and the legend is that Lucifer had said no. I'm not going to serve them. I'm not going to bow down before them. As a matter of fact, I resent them and I hate them. And, and as the legend unfolds, um, God cast Lucifer and a third of the angels uh, alongside him out of heaven. And, um, and, and now uh, they are, you know, they're living in a state of rebellion. So when Adam and Eve were created... And it was an opportunity to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, and they did under his prompting. A lot of people assume that's the backstory. He did it because he hated everything that we were about. And he wanted to see us fail. Okay, are you with me so far? Everybody following that or am I, am I being clear? All right. 
so there's a few things that come out of that. Um, and one of them is that because of the influence that he has on this world and because of our own rebellion, at times we're just not nice people. And as a result of that, we're hard to live with. And when we try to be in relationship with each other, we can't do it very well. And at every turn, uh, there's these beings in the unseen realm who are just kind of nudging us away from everything that is good. And I, I honestly believe that's the case. Now, I know that whenever, whenever I say people are hard to live with, when I say that we're capable of doing things that are very offensive to each other, I also know that I'm one of them. However, however, I think our consolation is that God said, I'm making a new day for us all. And that new day is going to come when my son brings about an opportunity for humanity to reset itself. He's going to be the second Adam. He's going to come up out of that empty grave and he's going to set in motion forces that will offset all that bad stuff that's in play, been in play for so long. And I'm going to create a community of people that as I do, they're going to reflect the qualities of this new Adam, Jesus. And everything that they do in life is going to respond to the situations and circumstances and the relationships in a way that is all for good. The way I designed it to begin with. And when God set that into motion, he said, and I'm going to call my church into being to embody those characteristics where you can find a spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Because we won't need a law anymore because everybody is heading in the right direction. My job as a pastor is to help us to not only understand that, but begin to live it out in a way that, um, that honors uh, that prompting and that desire of God. Okay, so today uh, we are looking at gentleness. And if you're like me, when something happens in our world that's a good thing, it's easy to respond in kind. But if somebody cuts me off in traffic, if somebody line jumps while I'm waiting for uh, the opportunity to pay at the checkout line, if somebody cheats me or conspires against me, if somebody lies to me, if somebody does me wrong, then my first response is to react and to do exactly like they did to me in kind. It's just the way we are. But gentleness says, no, that's not the way we are anymore. And the hard thing is, is wrapping our minds around, well, who are we supposed to be then? I want you to look behind me at the stained glass that is um, uh, depicted above the choir. And what do you see? You see an image. You see Jesus in a very pastoral setting, surrounded by sheep. And he appears to be holding one of them in a very gentle way. In a way that I believe embodies 
everything that he came to represent. And, you know, I, I love that, um, that, uh, that, that image. It's probably emblazoned in a lot of our minds. And if it is, maybe, maybe you don't need to stay any longer for the sermon because uh, he's doing it right there. However, if you're anything like me, um, a word to the wise is, seems like it's never sufficient. I've always got to learn things the hard way. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I look at the life that God's called me to live, and I think, why, why can't I figure it out? Why can't I figure out how it is that I should do things the right way the first time? But I don't. And um, I think it's because um, I have a rebellious nature, uh, and there are evil forces at work in the world. Speaking of evil forces, I went out to my garage the other day, and I saw this. Now, I don't know if you like these things or not. These things are the devil. <clears throat> I, said, I said the part of the Lord's Prayer. And deliver us from the evil one. Because he's guarding my garage door and keeping me from accessing my motorcycle. And I don't mess with those things. I thought they were gentle. I thought they're praying. So they've got to be spiritual. And I can remember even collecting a few as kids. But I can also remember looking at one right in the face and it tilting its head like that at me, tilting its head like that at me. And I'm thinking, oh, he's getting ready to pray. Then you know what he did? He flew right for my face, landed on my face with those tentacle legs and just gripped my face. You get the trauma? You get the absolute, as they say in Texas, hara? That was terrifying. And I don't like those things. And there's a lot of things in God's created order that don't make a lot of sense to me. And that is one of them. God, why would you do that? And I almost, I almost think his response is, well, you know when I was making all that stuff, I outsourced some stuff to Lucifer. And he made some stuff. And it was so cool at first until we saw what that stuff would do. Then we realized alongside mosquitoes and um, scorpions, and black widow spiders, and on and on the list goes, it would seem that perhaps if God did outsource those things, the designer had a little bit different intent other than enjoying the creation. And I look at that and I see on the surface, it appears to be something that all that storyline aside, and you see it praying, you think, well, that's just the created order reflecting um, characteristics that make us think about the things of God. But those things are in no way gentle. Matter of fact, uh, I think those things are in the spirit of the world that we live in. And that, that leads us to what I want to share for the next couple of minutes about this. The world doesn't say gentleness. It's just, not, it's just not wired into the created order when God's been, been taken out of the equation. The world says when. The world says when. 
Get over on the people around you before they get over on you. And maybe the praying man was saying, I'm going to attack you before you put me in the jar. And if it was thinking that, then I can get cut it a little slack because at one time that's what I did. But either way, all of us, when God's not into the equation, are about self-preservation. We're about, if we don't win, then that means we lose. If we're not on top, that means we're on bottom. And so the only way really that we can survive and thrive and feel secure is to win, which means that gentleness isn't even on the table. Winning is about being at the top of the podium. I mean, that's it right there. How do you have a winning life? How do you have a successful life? How do you have a perfect life? And all of those things are the aspirations that the world throws in front of us and says, if you want to find security, if you want to be valuable as a human being, then put yourself on the top of the food chain. And yet, this image is great in competition, and I think competition is fun. Uh, it's, uh, it's sporting. It's part of who we are. But when we take that competition outside of the boundaries of a competitive game, and we make it the game of life, and the rules that uh, uh, apply in competition apply also in the game of life, then once again, gentleness has no place. And here's what it does to us. I think you can gauge it this way. If you, could put a, if you could put a gauge on the state of mind and emotion that you have under circumstances that would provoke you, some of us, we would be pegged over in the red when it comes to rage. And it would be almost uncontrollable. Looking for some kind of an outlet. And maybe the rage started at work when you were asked to do something or you were given a responsibility that, uh, that, that, that you felt coerced into. Maybe it was a co-worker who was piling on. Maybe it was somebody who was just griping at you so much that you just kept it inside. And so that first opportunity that you had to let it out, you did. And maybe it wasn't even to the people that you were upset at. All you knew is you had this energy and it had to go somewhere and it needed an outlet. And so, guy driving down the road, minding his own business, all of a sudden, uh, he's being attacked by another driver. We were driving home from Columbus at 2 o'clock in the morning uh, via Illinois. And I'm just driving down the road, and this guy in front of me, there weren't a lot of cars on the road, he slows way down, and I'm in the passing lane, and he slows way down, almost to the point where I could see him. And for reasons I don't fully understand, he had his head out the window, he had his, arm, his hand up in the air, and he was saluting me in a very unkind way. And I have no idea what I did. Uh, but then he just tracked with me. And I still had no idea what, what, it, what I did to uh, uh, garner that kind of an aggressive and, and pretty violent response. As soon as I got around him and he calmed down, I just kind of sped up and said, I'm going to just put some little distance between him and myself in case this escalates into something else. Obviously, he had some rage. And for whatever reason, I must have done something ever so slightly that just brought it all out. And everybody was sleeping in the car, and I'm just thinking, Lord, please 
no gunshots at 2 o'clock in the morning because my wife gets grumpy whenever she wakes up, <laughs> notwithstanding bullets flying through the air. Then there's gentleness, which is I've got some of that energy in me, but God is in control. He is in control of my life, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And whatever energy he's given me, perhaps to express and rage, he's saying, no, I want to I change that. I want to transform that into an expression of kindness and gentleness. And then there's indifference. Some of us are like, you know what? I am so jaded by life. I am so jaded by people. I am so jaded by work. I am so jaded by all these things. I could care less. And maybe that's you. But somewhere in between rage and rage and and indifference, God said, have energy and use it for gentleness. Let's just real quickly look at those those three. The first one, rage. Our words can build up, then they tear down. And it's um it's pretty tragic for any believer to find that if you've invested love into somebody's life, kind words, words of encouragement, words that express God's heart to others through you, and then all of a sudden one day you say something and you know that after you say it, you can't take it back. And you set the relationship back perhaps for years. Rage does that. Rage is not our friend. But rage is something that I think if you were to incorporate Lucifer into the equation, he loves to, he loves to just provoke it. Then there, of course, is gentleness. And it is strength under control. The God of the universe who created all the planets and all of the stars and everything that is uh, above and below is holding in his hands this, this little lamb. And he's showing the capacity that he has to do all of those things is restrained to a single gesture of gentleness. And I'd, I'd take it a little bit further. And this is how I see gentleness play out. If you were to give it a definition that works in our day, it's this. Gentleness is behaving with kind words and actions that causes people to feel safe. Because many people today do not feel safe. We've been conditioned to not feel safe. And relationally, we don't feel safe. Now, if we are a safe environment where we respect other people, where we exercise the fruit of the Spirit, where we are trustworthy at every turn, that's the place that God says people can feel safe. People can come to a greater awareness of who I am and how much I love them when my people, first of all, make the people around them who are scared to death, who are frightened, who are overwhelmed, who really have never had a relationship in their life where they could ever trust anybody. When they come here, 
Wouldn't it be cool for them to say, it's different. It's different at church. Um, John Barrett and I, I don't know if you guys know John Barrett or not. Um, the motorcycle races at Western Reserve the other night, Friday night. And uh, if, you, if you know me, you know that that's a topic you're probably tired of hearing of. But I'll just say one thing. We were watching the races, and I was getting all enthused, and John was in his, um, we were in his little um, Yamaha Razor or something, parked up against the, um, the outside perimeter of the, of the first corner. And we're watching the bikes go by. And if I could just show a picture so you guys can, can see what I'm trying to describe. That's, that's what we saw. But a little bit later on, uh, what they did was they gave the little kids who were like five and six and seven years old an opportunity to go out and, and race around the track, uh, which they did. And I want to show you a couple of them. They're going so fast it's blurry. But the, 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 the kid who's on the outside of the track, he's heading right towards us. And I'm thinking, well, he's, he's really out there in the loose stuff. Uh, that's not a good place to be. Well, he literally was heading right towards us. Matter of fact, he crashed right there in the dirt right by there. And then he's just laying there, and he was all shaken up, uh, scared to death. Maybe it was only the fourth or fifth time that he'd ever even been out on something like that. But you could tell he was feeling in over his head. And I thought, wow, that was traumatic. Uh, He's probably never going to get up, and he's probably just going to walk out of here crying. But you know what happened? Some people right beside us, they jumped over the fence. They went, they picked him up. They gave him a big hug. They said, you're all right. And uh, they said some very encouraging words. And uh, he kind of shook it off. And he started kind of feeling better about the situation. And, and, and you could see the fear and the, and the tears transform by the sheer fact that they surrounded him in that way to a hope and a desire to get back on. And that's exactly what he did. He got back on and he just took off. And I thought, wow, they were so gentle with this frightened kid. And it was a crossroads for him. Could have been very well. And it could have been him saying, I'm never doing that again. Or it could be him saying, you know what? I got people supporting me. I can do it. I can, I can, I can have some fun like everybody else. I can enjoy growing in this sport. And how awesome is it when newbies come into this environment and we come alongside in a gentle spirit and we say, yeah, you can do it. It's a little frightening, but you can do it because we're here, we're here to cheer you on. Uh, but we could be this. And this is where, um, where I, I, I just want to I, I maybe uh, help us to, to work through this part of it. And that is indifference. Indifference could be just being passive-aggressive. It could be that we're known for what we're against. Or maybe we're not even against anything, but we're not really even for anything. And when God sees that, he's like, no, that's not where I want you to be. I want you to be in that place where it is challenging, where it is a little tough, where... There are even forces working against the whole process. I want you to be right there. I want you to be for the things that I am for. You with me? And if you are the people that have this fruit, wow, how powerful is it whenever uh, the display of something completely different that the world 
doesn't even know exists begins to emerge in the people around us. That love and that joy and that peace and that patience and that kindness and gentleness. And we've been thinking about this a lot. We've been praying about it a lot. And we've been, think, we've been asking the Lord, Lord, what, what do you want us to do here as a church for the people that you see? The people of Salem. And, and, and the question has sort of culminated into a lot of conversations that I've been having with a lot of people in the background. And, and, and it's really encapsulated in, in, in just one idea, being for Salem. And, on, and so here's, here's how we're going to behave our ways in, into this. Uh, as some of you probably saw in the guide, on October 8th, which is three Sundays from now, um, we are going to have our fall gathering. And when we do, um, what, I, what, what I'd like to do is, and what we'd like to, what we propose is doing this. We're not going to have church in the morning, but rather we're going to have it in the evening. Instead, what we're going to do is uh, ask the Sunday school groups, the community groups, and the men's group that will be ramping up on October uh, 9th to put their heads together and ask each other and the Lord, what is it that we can do as a smaller body of people at First Christian Church for Salem. And it could be a visit a shut-in. It could be raking leaves. It could be uh, making phone calls to people who, who are shut-ins or need encouraged. Uh, whatever it is that God is leading you to do, that's what we want to do. And I know this is disruptive, but I also know that it's good. Uh, we can collect and learn and study and hear the word preached and sing and praise. But the only reason why God engineered that into the whole process to begin with is so that we would be prepared to go out there. And so what we want to do is we just want to, the elders said, yeah, we're on board. We're with it. We think God is in this. And, and so um, we're asking you, actually we're, we're, we're challenging you uh, on that Sunday when you guys come together as your groups, or if you want guidance on this, we're, we're here to help you. If you're not connected to any kind of a group, I want you to ask God, what is it, Lord, that you're leading us to do on For Salem Sunday? And then whenever we get done serving and doing all of those things on that day, we're going to gather. We're going to gather at 5 o'clock uh, here in the Fellowship Hall. We're going to enjoy a meal. Then we're going to come up here. We're going to have worship, celebrate perhaps the things that we've been able to do. Uh, and then um, after we're done with that, we just have an afterglow with some s'mores and some little portable fire pits that we'll have out back. I think it sounds pretty fun. And I think it's going to be pretty awesome. And it is a way for us to perhaps take some of the indifference that I think is settled into, into, into many of our hearts, my own included, and begin to energize that with things that I think will show that we're here to be a blessing for the community of Salem in all of the array of that beautiful fruit and especially in a spirit of gentleness towards people who need to see the power of Christ at work expressed in gentle love towards people who are desperate to see it. 
And that really is my message today. Uh, with that, I, I really don't have anything more to say other than I just want to engage you into the process of what God is doing with us as a church family. Into the process of what God is doing to transform us from people that aren't so good to people that perhaps reflect, reflect Christ more and more in every way.